While the kids are doing that, why don't you grab your Bible and at least get turned over to our passage for today, which is 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, you're going to find our text today on page 311. 311. You know, on Tuesday night, when the clock strikes 12, it's going to strike midnight just like every other night of the year, right? But because we have, in the way we've set up our calendar, we're going to move from 12-31-2013 to 1-1-2014. It somehow some, has some special significance to us, right? I mean, many of you guys got New Year's plans, right? right? New Year's Eve plans already, and they're laying out the cities, not only Worcester and Boston, but cities all across the country for big New Year's Eve celebrations. It's, it just has a, something kind of special to it. And one of the things that we often do instinctively, right, is just to, to pause and kind of give some reflection to our lives, like, how, what, what happened in the past year, and what am I looking for the next, to happen in the next year, and all those kinds of things. And some of you will be prepared, prepared, be prepared to make New Year's resolutions as you go forward. You know, um, I, I think it's actually a good thing. You know, because to lead a life that's not an examined life, it's to lead a life that we don't pause and think about and reflect on, really is unwise. Scripturally, the the Bible calls upon us to be people who think about the way we live our lives and to think about the way we've been living our lives. So today, as, as we prepare for the onslaught of 2014, which is going to go past faster than 2013, I, I want to just kind of give you a few handles, maybe, about thinking about some of the changes that you might want to make to your life. And, and my message today is really more devotional than than a long passage of scripture, than a long sermon, but I just want to give you some thoughts here, maybe to ready you for that process of thinking about how things have been and, wh- and where you're going and, and what do you need to do. And, and I want to use this story from 2 Kings chapter 5 as a touch point for us to get some, some insight. So I want to read the first uh, 18 verses, 19 verses for you of this, of this chapter. It's one of my favorite stories in the scriptures. And then... Um, I'll make some running comments on the text as we go along so you'll have a sense of what's going on and what things mean. And then, then I'll just offer some observations to you today, perhaps as you get ready to think about it as we go forward, which is really the official title of my message today. Now, Naaman, beginning with verse 1, commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a great man in his master's sight and hardly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The, the man was a brave warrior, but he had a skin disease. Now, Aram is modern-day Syria for the most part. So this was a, a nation just to the north of Israel, and Israel had a kind of a on-again, off-again kind of relationship with Aram. There were times when it benefited the two of them to be in an alliance together, and there was other times when there were skirmishes between the two. But here you have this guy who is a military hero and a leader in the nation of Aram, and he's suffering from a skin disease. Some of your translations may use the word leprosy. It's a very broad term in those days. For s- sometimes they use it to describe what was really became a really grotesque disease where you just had, you know, started out with skin rashes and that kind of stuff, and as it progressed, you would sometimes even just kind of develop growths in the joints of your fingers or your knees or your elbows or whatever, and literally just limbs would fall off as the growths would, growths would separate the joints, and, and they would just literally fall off. But 
They also used that term to describe just having like psoriasis or, or other kinds of issues like that. So we know that Naaman suffered from this problem. So Aram had gone out on raids, beginning with verse 2, and, and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. So you can see the off-again relationship that right there. You know, little border wars, and they're taking slaves from one another. And so this slave, young slave girl says to her mistress, if only my master would go to the prophet who is in Samaria, he could cure him of his skin disease. Now this is a reference to Elisha who was the successor of Elijah. So Naaman went and he told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Therefore the king of Aram said, Go and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. So, so he went and he took with him 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. Kind of seems a little strange to us, but clothing was actually a major source of wealth and investment in the ancient world. Ten changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it read, When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent my servant Naaman for you to cure him of his skin disease. Can you imagine what the king was thinking, right? Here's this, this country that's a kind of oppressing Israel, and one of their military leaders shows up and says, Heal me or else, right? That's kind of the implication. Now, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes clothes and he asked am i god killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease think it over and you will see that he's only picking a fight with me in other words he's trying to have an occasion to start a war so when elisha the man of god heard that the king of israel tore his clothes he sent a message to the king why have you torn your clothes have him come to me and he will know there is a prophet in israel so Naaman came with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Then Elisha sent him a messenger who said, Go, wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be clean. So think about this imagery, right? Naaman rides up. He's got his uniform on. And, you know, he looks spiffy, you know, and he's, he's in this chariot. He looks powerful. You know, they're outside of Elisha's house, and the you know, the horses are, you know, they're, they're groomed and they're, they're you know, powerful-looking animals and they're snorting and stomping and it's just all this, this real power and position and et cetera. And Elisha's in the house and he doesn't even get out of his recliner. He says, hey, tell the guy to go just take a bath in the Jordan seven times. You know, that, that, that's really the dynamic. Naaman shows up with, with all of his stature and Elisha says, that doesn't mean anything in the eyes of God. Just go bathe in the Jordan seven times. But Naaman got angry, and he left saying, I was telling myself, surely, surely he'd come out and he'd stand and he'd call the name of Yahweh his God, and he will wave his hand over the spot and, and cure the skin disease. Aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he left in rage. Naaman didn't want a bath. Man, he wanted a part in the Red Sea, you know? He wanted lightning and thunder and earthquakes and clouds and pillars of fire. He wanted the cool stuff. He didn't want to just go bathe in the Jordan seven times. So he takes off in a rage. But his servants approached him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not have done it? How much more you should do it when he tells you wash and be clean? So Naaman 
went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times according to the command of the man of God. And the Jordan River really is kind of muddy and disgusting in a few places. You know, so it's not like, you, you know, you think it's, I remember when I was in college and playing football at Bates, the Yandroscog, and sometimes when the wind blew right, I mean, it was, you couldn't even breathe on the field. It was such a bad smell, you know. There's places in the Jordan River where it don't look all that great, but he, he goes down and he says, wash and be clean. So Naaman went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times according to the command of the man of God. Then his sin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. Then Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, I, I, as the Lord lives, I stand before him. I will not accept it. And Naaman urged him to accept it, but he refused. So Naaman responded, if not, Please let two mule loads of dirt be given to your servant, for your servant will no longer offer a burnt offering or a sacrifice to any other god but Yahweh. However, in a particular manner, in a particular matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master, the king of Aram, goes into the temple of Rimon to worship, and I, as his right-hand man, bow in the temple of Rimon with him, when I bow in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord pardon your servant in this matter, so go so he said to him, go in peace. That was Elisha speaking there at the end. So here's the dynamic at the end. Naaman now knows that all the other gods are just stuff, you know, just, just wooden carved idols and et cetera. He knows that there's a living God in Israel. So he wants some of Israel's soil with him at all times so that he can worship God from Israel's soil. And, but he's asking favor. He says, you know, my job description requires that I go in and support my master while he worships this false god, and I'm just asking that God would forgive me while that's going on. So that's the dynamics of the story. Now, I just want to give you a few points to think about as you think about beginning a new year. First of all, I challenge you, and I challenge myself, to recognize that our lives can always be better. There's room for improvement. There's room for improvement. Take a look at Naaman. When Naaman walks up to you, he's got on the breastplate, you know, of a warrior. He's wearing a sword. He's got the fancy colors on his hair because he's the general of the army. He looks on the outside like a raging success, right? But underneath the uniform, what's going on? His skin is just crawling. You know, there may be ways that our lives really are successful, but underneath, there's always room for improvement. Our marriages could be better. Our walks with God could be better. Our understand, you know, we, we could be physically healthier, emotionally healthier. There's lots of ways that our lives can be better. As you think about stepping into 2014, and I know it's just an arbitrary date on a calendar, but you just say, you know what, my life could be better. There is room for improvement. Don't get stuck, but move forward. Just recognize some ways that you can move forward. Secondly, i got to tell you, you, you need to look for a solution to improve your life. Look for the resources to improve your life. You wonder what Naaman was thinking when he walked into his king. Now here, here's a guy, he, you know, he, he is the commander of the armies of the nation of Aram. He's the chief of staff, you know, and he walks into the king and he says, you know, I got this little slave girl, 
who's a part of my household, who doesn't know nothing. But she says there's a guy in Israel who can make me well. Would you send me? You talk about just exposing yourself to ridicule, right? I mean, who knows? Maybe the king didn't even know about his skin condition yet. Maybe he's worried now about his job security. But, he, but he's willing to look for whatever it is that he needs to get better. And some of us, we, we just need to be willing to look for the things that will make us better. Things that will strengthen our lives and improve us from the inside out relationally or spiritually or emotionally or physically or whatever other element that's going on in our lives. Financially, you, could, you can just kind of keep running with it. But we, we need to be looking for the solutions. And sometimes it's going to take a little vulnerability to be open to the solutions that God has for us. Sometimes we want it to come with the grand stuff. Give me something hard, so, look, something that would be impressive to everybody else. But here he just opens himself up and he says, you know what? I need an answer. And so the king writes him a letter. And off he goes to the Jordan River. Third thing. So you've got to admit your life can improve. You've got to be willing to look for an answer. And the third, you've got to have some humility about the whole process. You've got to have some humility about the whole process. You know, this, this interchange between Elisha and Naaman is just incredible, isn't it? Naaman shows up, and he's got all the world's trappings around him. He's got chariots. He's got horses. He's got servants. He's got a boatload of money. He's got a closet full of clothes. He's got everything that he can buy his way forward. And Elisha stays in the house. He says, before God, none of that stuff means anything. The only way you are dependent upon God's grace for God to intervene in your life. And so he gives him something to do. He says, go down to Jordan and just wash seven times. And how does Naaman react? N- Naaman is, he's ticked, right? I mean, I, I'm an important person. Maybe you should take me to the top of a mountain and, you know, build a huge altar and offer and climb and just see the firefall and psh, I'll be out. You know, he's looking for the dramatic. And God just says, go dip in the Jordan seven times and you'll be clean. Sometimes I think one of our biggest struggles of actually improving our lives is we don't have enough humility to accept the answer that God's given for us. Some of us may, we may be saying, well, you know what? I want my marriage to be better. But sometimes what we're thinking is, well, I really want my wife to change. But what God's saying to us is, you know, you just need to turn off the TV, put down the remote, and talk to your wife. Or maybe you need to stop yelling at them. Or being critical all the time. Sometimes it's just a simple answer. But we don't want that answer. We want God to somehow wave this magic wand over our spouses and make them different so our lives are better, right? You know? Sometimes I want to feel closer to God. But we're waiting for some mountaintop experience, and God's simply saying, just get up 15 minutes earlier in the morning and spend some time in the Word. Just go to church regularly on a Sunday. Get involved with a life group. Develop a prayer journal for the first time in your life. God's given us sometimes simple things to do, and we, we said, I don't want that stuff. I want the dramatic stuff. And God gives us the humble answers. You know, same with the, the we could just, you know, some, the, the emotional piece. Many of us are carrying a lot of weight, a lot of baggage from things that have happened in our lives, a lot of it not our own fault. We have a lot of anger 
and bitterness towards people who have hurt us and robbed us out of our lives. And, and part of it is we just need to simply say, understand that God says, just forgive. Just forgive. But that's not the answer we're looking for. But we need to have enough humility to accept God's answer as he gives it to us. So what happens when Naaman follows? He's saying, you know, I got, I got better rivers back in Aram. They're cleaner, they're fresher, they're, more cool, they're, they're cooler, so they're more refreshed. He's got all kinds of reasons why this isn't the answer. And then God, but finally his servants prevail upon him. He'd say, listen, you know, if the, if, if, the, if the prophet had said to you, go conquer this nation, you would have done it. But because of something simple, you want to turn it away, and he goes and he obeys, finally in humility. And what happens? His life gets better, right? So the final step is we, we have to admit that our lives need to be improved. We need to look for the answer. We need to have enough humility to do what it is that God has showed us to do. And then we just need to do it. Just need to do it. Bible might call that obedience, that, which is a great term, but we just need to do it. Live in God's word. Actually, spend time with our spouses. Actually, forgive people. Whatever it is that God shows you, maybe you need more discipline in your life. And actually, be disciplined. Get an accountability partner. Hold yourself to yourself. We just need to do it. You know, because God is ready to pour out his blessings on his people. But we need to accept how it is that God wants to improve our lives from year to year. So my invitation to you today is to make 2014 the year of life improvement. Just, just admit that you can, your life can be better. Look for the ways it can be better. Be humble enough to do the basics that will make that achieve, and just do it. Just do it. Put your faith in God. Believe in Christ and follow through. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray for a minute. God, we, get, we recognize that each year we use the beginning the start of a new year is a time to kind of stop and think and reflect. Many of us feel our lives have been going so fast that and they're so full of things right now, we're not even going to have time to do that. But God, we pray that we would have the ability to slow down, to really appreciate the fact that our lives can be better, and to know that those answers and the ability to do so are found in you. God, bless us as we get ready to start 2014. Make it a year in which there is incredible evidence that we have been compelled by your heart. That we have seen you do greater things through us and in us for your own glory. As we've humbly received your direction and done what you've instructed us to do. And thank you for the gift that we have in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite.